Well, I guess we're going to sort of get started here, folks, more or less, anyway. Um, I'm KM. Uh, I am very happy to be here, even though it is really weird to be not only in Philly, but at a poetry event, both of which are things that I swore I would never do again two years ago. But nonetheless, here we are. Um, and it's really great to be here. We've got seven readers tonight. We sprouted an extra reader due to the excellence of their self. Uh, so I, um, you know, I had this thing that I was going to do in between all the readers, and it was like probably going to be absurd, and only I was going to like it anyway. And then I was revising it in when I was in Atlanta this week, and it just got completely out of control. So I'm just going to like sort of summarize some of the points because obviously, like this is been billed as a proletarian poetry party, and everybody here is some kind of leftist, more or less, and we're all fucking with Paint Bucket and Pearl Sound and Prolit, which are all like explicitly leftist magazines. Um, so like, what the fuck is probably a fair question. Um, you know, and I think it's, it bears mentioning that there was like a very large and very important proletarian writing movement in this country in the 20s and the 30s that was completely destroyed by the state. Uh, in the, the, you know, the late 40s and the 50s, and many of its members were repressed in various ways. People went to jail, people went abroad, people went into these sort of internal exiles like Jack Conroy, who just like sat in Moberly, Missouri, and wondered what happened for years and years. You know, people got harassed. Like Nelson Algren couldn't get a passport for 20-something years. Um, you know, and like one of the nice things about living now is that like capitalism has shat itself again and we get to do this all again and maybe like actually get somewhere this time, which will be really nice. So uh, that is kind of my whole spiel on that. And the first reader tonight is Patrick Blagrave from Prolet Magazine, local favorite. especially in the rain, and the Delaware never truly roars, even if you get up really close, even if you are roaring like you need to scare a god back into the cracked porcelain of your cupped hands. I have a voice working its way through the palace cistern. I will die inside, stopped by what is spilling from the top. There is no god in this flow. Please understand, I have no control over this. 
The prophet comes as the answer to a long history. It's in the blood to serve the gods of each generation. My family of empty vessels. My family of sacrificial hollow. My history empty except a warning, except provided words to fear. They did everything they could have for the future. They looked like they were supposed to at the future, and at my life, speechless, sensed such capacity, so lush a void, waiting for new gods to pour their futures into. I am giving up constantly my belongings. I go to where the wild honey costs less. Will you follow into the desert, you who have a house in town? It belongs to you. And things to fill the house belong to you, and thoughts belonging only to homeowners. And you think I belong, but I want you to tell me you are very sorry, and when the king comes to laugh with me, mouth stuck on wild honey. Um, we'll take a break to promote my magazine. Uh, <laughs> uh, issue one came out in May. Uh, it's very good. I suggest you read it online. Uh, Prolitmag.com. Uh, issue 2 just closed for submissions, so I'm putting that together. It should be up in November, probably. Uh, so keep an eye out. Uh, you can follow us on social media. I say us, but it's me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can follow the magazine on social media uh, to, to get an update when that comes out. Uh, so keep going. Uh, the Sally reference is Sally May, the student lending company. Sally, like anyone who says they love me, I want you to stop calling all day <laughs> from Ohio, desperately. Like any past love, it's the lies we believed that I miss most, that I was worth so much. Like any past, it was easier than its consequences. I want you to stop calling all day from the upper floor, Sally May trickle-down love, you hold me in your cistern, trickle-down water, rising. Salome, trickle-down music, it's your party, so many in the palace love you, and I'm quickly underwater. I can't control it anymore, can't speak any magic into it, any god. Sally, it trembles from your trickle-down dancing, it's gross, the men upstairs, lusting, it's a debt. Love always is overwhelming. I need you to take my head in your hands so I don't drown in it. A body spills coffee into itself and gets to work. Cheap white shirts discolor easily over time. Pink from blood welling up from the wound. The body hopes no one notices. The body tries to say something clever, but it's only heard in a Wilmington boardroom trophy case states away. Elsewhere, silence inevitable, since most other bodies are headless too. And in silence, they reach out carefully to avoid each other. There are ways the body is always useful, moves its hands the right way. The head feels the cold touch of the tray below it. The body keeps working to pay off the silver. Uh, this is a poem that was published last week in Recenter Press Poetry Journal. 
once I stepped into the water. I left my phone, my wallet, my shoes on the ledge and let the river take over what I could not manage, living without knowing how it would end. What is a prophet but a person who does not want the future? All the possibilities we pretended I had and I just wanted to know how it would end. I taught myself all the endings. Now the lights flicker in the house you left me. Now a sudden crack in the Arctic. Now it's the first week of the year and it's snowing and the rent costs $370 plus the heat in a January that is likely to be the warmest on record again. Now it's 30 years later. I can't remember the snow or cinnamon rolls made with my wife in the morning or the cat becoming less of a kitten. Now I'm headless, a body stretched across what was a river, the river that was once my god. What is a prophet but a person who sees their god evaporating? And then mindless I get home from an office where I write reports that keep me alive and I have no wants left. I wanted to write prophecies. These are just reports. Um, I'll finish up with the one in this little scene. Uh, if anyone didn't get any, there's a bunch more up here. Uh, it's called I Can Feel Myself Fading Away, which is very cornerly aligned from the Bruce Springsteen song, Streets of Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw the skyline turn to glare, gold and purple, then entirely away from me. The buildings have names like Liberty, Liberty, Comcast, and Comcast. <laughs> They're built for business and windows that show us even clouds belong to other people. Liberty is luxury offices and a lookout point tourists can pay for. From the street, it's perfectly clear how invisible a person would be from its observation deck. Yeah, there's this zine that everybody made that I basically just watched them plan and <laughs> was like, oh, neat, um, and was really impressed by, and am even more impressed now that I actually see it. So um, come get one, take them home to your children, and your enemies' children, <laughs> more particularly, would be good. Um, so, yeah, I was talking to James the other day about this in the middle of the night, and he said something really funny about the whole thing that's happening here, which is that it's really, really funny to have the problem of being a John Reed club without a political party to be attached to. And that is kind of how this group of people has felt to me since it all sort of came together in a group chat on Twitter, largely over everybody's disgust at the way the Frank Sherlock scandal was covered. Um, and particularly the way that our friend Isabel was treated by the minions of Quillette magazine uh, over it. And, um, you know, the John Reed Clubs, for people who are maybe unaware, the Communist Party in the United States and around, really around the, the world, but in the United States specifically, they were called John Reed Clubs. They had these writing clubs where people would come together and write. It was, they were workshops, basically. And, uh, you know, this is kind of the origin of workshop culture is inside this, like, cultural production wing of the Communist Party, and a whole bunch of major American writers came through 
the John Reed clubs in the 20s and 30s. And the idea of workshops was basically jacked after all of these left groups were, were suppressed and you know, used in the forms in which we are more familiar with them today, most of which are about capitalism in one form or another. Uh, the less said about that, the better. Uh, but the, you know, the ability of this group to sort of coalesce and to actually meet physically, which is kind of amazing to me now that we're all actually in the same room, and talk about politics, talk about writing, and produce like some of the best political writing that I've ever seen by living people has been really amazing. And Miss Isabel Best Bess is one of the best among us, and this is her stuff now. gonna be kind of hard to follow that introduction. Hi everybody. Um, it's it's really great to meet everyone finally and thank you Cam for putting this together. Um, I brought some, these are just scenes I, uh, I printed off. I went to AWP this year, the big writing conference, and I just printed off some zines at the public library and snuck into the book fair and sold them. Um, but I had a bunch left over, um, so if anybody wants any, um, you can get one or like, you know, pay what you can or donate or, or don't if you can't. And I also have a few copies of this uh, Radical Trans Poetry Volume 1 that uh, Jamie Baruch put together. Um, I have some poems in here and, and a bunch of other people do too. Um, so if anybody's interested in that stuff, uh, just let me know. So I'm going to read... Uh, I guess earlier this year, late last year, I started, I got interested in the idol as a form and I started writing idols and, and elegies and kind of playing between these two forms. Um, and so I'm going to read some of the idols I wrote um, interspersed with some other newer poems. Uh, this is Idol One. The moon is for everybody. The coolest thing about space is that it's too cold for landlords. <laughs> you can plant a flag on the moon, but you can't collect rent, because no human can survive there, and there aren't any cops. <laughs> this one's called Class War Only. The mechanics of lived disposability entail a certain amount of world ending and world building, and I guess I'm not supposed to just come out and say it. Supposed to provide some narrative shadowed in reference and metaphor, an anecdote drawn to some deeper propaganda, <laughs> and a subtle wink to the CIA. Forgive me. This prize, so sweet and so cold. What I'm telling you is I've got nothing to lose, and there is no world in which we aren't enemies, in which we live peacefully during the class war. Only landlords are allowed the illusion of peace, and here I am living with the violence of it every day. There is no great truth to which I'm leading you, only a warning. Several hundred million peasants will rise like a mighty storm. Thanks, uh, that's a mal quote at the end there. I can't take credit for that. <laughs> um, this is Idol 3, Bank People. Country song, sing country song, sweet muses. Bank people are patient, if anything. You can drink all the beer you want standing waist deep in the river. You can piss anywhere. We all want to be like the boat people, but settle for the wake. 
lift our arms to heaven and cry our joy to God for the gravel at our feet. The water of this baptism is too cold for snakes. Today, we take the river. Tomorrow, we take the boats. That one uh, just came out in this anthology from Sibling Rivalry uh, that they did with uh, Queer Arts Arkansas. And so it's uh, that anthology, they had some deal with the Library of Congress that it's in their like special collections archive and vault. Um, so that, that was kind of my way of sneaking a revolutionary poem into the Library of Congress archives. <laughs> this one's called Google Murray Bookchin. <laughs> the zone of transition between two biomes is called an ecotone, and the wound in my head is a river. Listen. Every time somebody opens the dam, the cut bank gets deeper. The inability to remember isn't the same as the inability to recall. If every cop died in a clown car crash today, the millionaires would only mint more tomorrow. That's why we need communism. You have to pull up the roots, plant ground cover, pay attention to the rain. This is Idle Four, Another Day in Eugene. Um, I just moved out here from Eugene, Oregon. Um, so I have a bunch of poems about, uh, about the Pacific Northwest and uh, Eugene specifically. In the convenience store, a landlord casually discusses the best way to evict his tenants. Outside, the pigs erect a mobile command and surveillance post. I fill the pockets of my coat with candy, something small and sweet. This one's called a difficult poem. Um, I don't know, there was some like, I don't even remember what it was about, but there was some like Twitter drama over how like dif difficult poetry wasn't valued anymore or something. <laughs> and it was all kind of silly. So I wrote this poem called Difficult Poem. A friend says she'd publish a poem with a line like, if a poem was a bottle of oxy, I'd swallow every word. And it's true that it's a good line, and it's also true that I think about getting high pretty much every day. Not in the sense that I do get high pretty much every day, I do, but in the sense that it would probably end badly. There are a bunch of ways a poem can be difficult, but relatively few options for paying the bills around here. Black Warrior Review is having a poetry contest. The entry fee is $20 I don't have, and the prize is three months rent. My uncle played scratchers until the end, but it was the liquor that killed him. He was 52. There are a bunch of ways to die, but relatively few options for staying alive around here. Uh, this is Idol 5, A City. Um, I wrote this uh, on the way back from uh, sneaking into AWP to sell these zines on a bus. <laughs> We lie on the bank and imagine a city. Not the city around us, but quiet. There are more benches, and Trace Peterson doesn't glare at me when I have to dig through my purse for my rescue inhaler. 
in the middle of her panel on ending the gender binary or whatever. <laughs> Maxwell Filario is still reading poems that sound like visual descriptions of an HR Geiger calendar from that kiosk <laughs> at the mall. And yeah, I still talk shit. In the city, we imagine there are still trees and there is still gender. Everyone has a place to sleep and there's a guillotine in the middle of a big park downtown. Did you think this city would be built bloodless? The question is always only whose blood? Whose blood? The speaker of this poem is an amateur drawing of Sonic the Hedgehog that I imprinted on during a psychedelic experience. I lost my good sandals somewhere between here and Eugene, Oregon. They hurt my feet anyway. The only way we can save the world is through organized militant struggle. I'm convinced this won't arise spontaneously. Nobody ever got anywhere just staring at a map. And uh, I just have one more idol. This is idol six, guillotines. What good is a poem if it can't kill a landlord? What if I stopped writing poems and started building guillotines with elaborate names? <laughs> what I said to James was, well, when you've got people like Isabel, what do you need a vanguard party for? <laughs> which is true. Uh, <laughs> later I said, bitch, we are the vanguard party, which is also true. Um, you know, and I think the... I just don't even know what to say behind some shit like that, so I'm just going to shut up. Uh, our next reader is Shell, who I don't actually know how to pronounce your last name. Raffin. Raffin. Shell Raffin, who is... Do you live here, right? Yeah, recently. Right on. Well, come on. Being here is as surprising to me as it is to you. I wasn't on the poster. I found out I was reading two days ago. Uh, the way I found out was an email from James when I said I was coming to this and I was excited to hear poetry. He said, literally, he said, all caps, fuck that, you're reading. You will get a message. And I was like, in two days? How many poems? What am I doing? And I had a date scheduled tonight. So now the date is come see me read poetry. And it, it, he's here and it's great. Uh, so, uh, the first poem I'm going to read, if I can get these up. I'm bringing off my phone. Huh? Can I take a video of you? Yes, please do, actually. I would love that. The, the conditions, you have to give it to me after. Okay, uh, So, my first poem was the poem that made James find out who I am, and that's how I got here. And he told me I could only read if I read this poem. So, uh, this poem's called Dog Walker. Please imagine this. It is so important. Imagine a dog walker in the park. On her leash is a hot dog being dragged through the grass. Are you walking a hot dog, you ask? Yes, she says. Gotta pay the bill somehow. We all have to do what we can to get by. It's tough work, but this is how I survive. What do you do with them when you're done? I return them to their owners. Do they eat them? All covered in dirt and mud? Not my business. Not my business. I just walk the hot dogs. I have some favorites. Hot dogs, that is. Not, not owners. Favorite ones to walk, that is. Wh who is your favorite? 
There's a link of bratwurst that lives in the corner of 68th and Oak Street. The marjoram is fragrant, even still after so many walks. Can I pet her? Oh, sure. You kneel down to pet the hot dog, fingers reaching out for that shiny skin. But just then, a dashand runs by and eats it up. There it goes. Munch. Ah, fuck, says the hot dog walker. Not again. <laughs> uh, next, I will read my obligatory poem that's in the zine. So this is one that when you hear it, you can remember it forever. Uh, I wrote this poem in a dungeon. Lines. Take my lines and pull them. Pull my sides, my shape outstretched. These knees bend back, fall forward, out, out, out. Take my pen and draw me. What else can I be? My topography is fluid. When I said I was limitless, I think you underestimated how little I care anymore about being a normal person. poems or phone poems. Sorry, I'm gonna stop being prestigious now. Uh, this poem was published in Paint Bucket yesterday. I found out yesterday. Then I had to submit a different poem to the zine. November. A sweeping crescent of birds perch up on a, bright, a branch marking seasons. I do not feel we are approaching October anymore stockpiled orange bottles, a crate of meals ready to eat, three storms of water. Not October. We are preparing for another world. The birds flock all the same. This next one's longer. It's controversial. I think this is the right audience for it. It's only really controversial for a few lines, because some people don't like guns. I mean, you shouldn't like them, but you know. Some people are, like, offended by you saying the word gun. Anyway, it's called Red. And it was inspired by a scene from The East is Red, which you should, it's all on YouTube, and you should watch it. It's really good. Put fire in your eyes, young mother, for your child is a flame. My bride has many beats she can drum to, and for you a mournful battle cry. Her shores stained red, and red we will remember. You hold her red-stained coat. You show us that jacket, that baby's blanket, the standard red fatigues, and in your eyes. Only cowards dream of Mars and think the sun is our enemy. It is not in heaven the den of the men who took your daughter. They fill her with gas, her deserts turn to glass, their barracks are filled of brick, are built of brick and stone, concrete walls and tarmac roads. Have you ever thought about what tarmac is made of? Concrete cooked in oil, petroleum, asphalt, slag, and sludge. They dig it from your daughter's pores. They sate their thirst with endless wars. The fire fills your retina, your macula, your optic nerve. You say to the rebel, that you only asked to take those men. Take them and make them feel it. The fire in your nerves, the fire down your spine, the pins and needles, 
the sense of circulation slowing down and stopping through each and every artery. You say to the rebel, young mother, that you are the rebel, and you will don the dress of the rebel, the discount used hoodie of the rebel, the cheap jeans of the revolutionary with the holes growing near the thighs, and you will take up arms, black, brown, and burnt arms, linked arms, hairy arms, calloused and soft arms, and the people without arms will take up legs and wheels, and your arms, arms that held your daughter when she was born, and in her eyes you saw reflected the entirety of the world she would make, and in her hand she held the woman who would one day build that world. But you didn't know that yet. You didn't know you would have to be the one to build the world she was going to make. And when you take up arms, young mother, you can take up rifles too. It's okay. Put fire in your eyes, young mother. You will never forget the enemy, and you will always remember red. I get a lot of rooms where when I say you can take up rifles, they're just like, no. Like, you gotta, eventually, just in case. This poem was also published in Paint Bucket four days ago. I don't know. James is weird. For even if we lose. This is kind of the bad ending from the last poem. From all abandoned places, new life sprouts forth. Not necessarily human life, but new life nonetheless. That's the poem. And this one's the good ending. It's called Plastolos which is a word I made up. It was difficult to explain to our children the cause for celebration. Yesterday we had a festival. We sang new songs and old songs, ate new food and old food, and we buried seeds in the ground and we tilled the soil and there was color and art and games. And it was so very difficult to explain to our children. You see yesterday, the plastics finished decomposing. It has been over a millennia since the last plastic factory closed down. Yesterday, the final landfill became fertile again. Our planet finally finished healing from the trauma of our ancestors. I have never touched plastic. I saw some in a museum as a child, but even that has now decomposed, has finally, finally become soil something living, something new life can grow from. Yesterday at the festival, we planted so many trees, special trees genetically modified to absorb carbon monoxide from the atmosphere at such a high rate that someday, eventually, even the atmosphere will have healed and I will be gone and my children will be trying to explain to their children why they are celebrating. Such an abstract, complicated idea that thousands of years ago, the land, sea, soil, air, was divided up and controlled by only a few people, and they filled the air with so much gas, and they filled the earth with plastic, this mythical cheap substance which could be made so easily and would outlive anyone who made it. What do you mean, Mapa? What do you mean they controlled the land? How do you own land? Did they keep it in their pocket? 
How did they own the water? Did they pour it in a very large cup? Jotty, Jotty, tell me more. How did they change the weather? Amara told me they lit fires. They lit so many fires that the weather changed. How did they do that? Why did it take so long for people to stop them? And so we sat in the grass at the festival, telling stories of the past, the past we barely remember, the past we barely understand, the stories of our ancestors, of which only ancient sacred books recount, the stories that explain why we are celebrating the Plastelos. It's plastic Plastelos. <laughs> Am I on time? Is there a time? I'm not really checking. No that time? Really All right, there's a break after this anyway, so really I can just head to the smoke one, break. one more after you. There's only one person after me? There's several. There's one more person after oh, you. Oh, and then the it's break. the break. Yeah. Oh, so I'm cutting to their time. Yeah, maybe do one or two more. And... I'll do, all right, I'll read from my, uh, my unfinished liturgical poem. That, one's, that won't take too long. It's the high holidays right now for Jews like me, and we, it's, a, it's 10 days long, and this was Rosh Hashanah, and I decided somehow that I was going to write a 22 stanza poem with each stanza being a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, because that's what happens when you're in shul for three hours <laughs> straight. Um, so I'm just going to read you. Uh, I'm just going to read you Aleph and Beit. Uh, all you need to know about this is that Elul is the last month of the year, and Tishrei is the first month of the year, which is when you have to atone for all of your sins and apologize to literally everybody you hurt in the past year. Because that's what Jews do every year, every year. So this is this is the first this is the uh, first two stanzas of my long ass high holidays poem. So, Aleph, moss overcomes me. My sequins glisten and vines wrap over ancient whispers, and offer old greetings. A hand of heather flower atop my shoulder, squeezing a comforting gesture from the ancient angel grass. Hay fever comes upon me. My throat of beans ferments, for I am unprepared. Bait. Elul is a blanket on a cold morning after nights of ceaseless turning. Tishrei, my alarm clock. Elul, my hand as I hit the snooze button. Tishrei, the birds outside my window holding hostage my dreams. Elul, my eyelids warm and deep. Tishrei, the sun bright red and opening. And that's it. That's all I got for you. Thank you. Thank you. There's like so many new Philly people here, which is really nice. There's three, three of them. So if you're local, you have new neighbors who don't stink, which is great, because a lot of the people here stink. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, what can I say? Like Isabel says in the poem about the Black Warrior Review, like a lot of this poetry stuff is bullshit. A lot of it is bougie shit. A lot of it is bullshit like the Poetry Foundation, uh, you know, and there's just like a lot of people sitting around spending a lot of other people's money, borrowed money. The, the, the shortest way to say it is that the bourgeoisie controls the means of literary production, and that's a very serious problem if you're not them, which we're not. So, you know, the this is kind of a first gesture towards building working class literary institutions outside of the control of the bourgeoisie. I'm an IWW myself, 
and we always say it's like an old line classic building the institutions of the new society inside the shell of the old and you know I think if you'd asked me three years ago if that was possible I would have just like cried myself to sleep um, but meeting some of the people who are reading here tonight has hilariously convinced me that it's way more possible than even I thought and um, you know, I'm kind of just following them around. And one of the people that I'm following most closely is Steele Dunn. Uh, Woo! Who is our Woo! Thank you all for coming to listen to poetry. Nobody really likes poetry, but um, <laughs> y'all came anyway, which is cool. Um, so uh, some of my poems, or most of the poems that I'm going to read include, like, violence and blood and anger, um, but they don't revel in it. Uh, they don't take any, any pleasure in it. Um, one of, the one poem that some of you might be familiar with of mine uh, is called To Eat the Fruit, Climb the Tree, and uh, the fruit that most of us in this room would like to taste is growing on a tree that's guarded by an enemy with no conscience, and uh, so violence is inevitable. Violence is already pervasive, and uh, as Isabel says in one of her poems, the only question is whose blood. Um, so just one of the preface. And the, this first poem is kind of about um, the shift in my own poetry. Um, yeah, just uh, from learning to learning to not just write write words that just sound good and just make me feel better, but to write um, to that end, to the end, to the end of uh, class consciousness and uh, changing the world around us. Uh, I was standing in Virginia in a field next to a cow, and I looked into her eyes, and she looked back at me, and she said, God damn, you still haven't learned how to speak. Carry a knife, motherfucker. Feel your chest burn and your hands shake, and coat the inside of your mouth with the blood that made me live. Thank you. Um, this next one is the first poem I ever had published, and it's not as, um, it's a little more just about the experience of being a working class person and experiencing the experiencing alienation and like in in combination with all of the like mental health uh, issues and stuff that I personally struggle with. But um, I hate naming poems, so this one just got published as poem. Uh, <laughs> Don't you clap to shatter the sertraline fog? Don't your bones break brittle in the dark sun's heat? Don't you move up the mountain like water, singing slower than the birds to draw them in, and don't they come? Don't the moths steal the honey from under your tongue? Don't your tongue and your teeth turn to tin in your mouth? Aren't you shaking? Aren't you black-eyed elemental chanting names like incantations under old-growth forest pines until their trunks all stretch and hum, until the beasts all swell and blur and burr the figure of yourself, hands wet with sap and open? Aren't you lying, looking upward through a shallow sapphire pool at the ever-burning bear, and don't you reach into her teeth to be lifted out and taken up and left in peace? Thank you. Um, this poem is uh, called so, aren't, so Are You Two From The Mental Health Task Force? And it's about an interaction I had with some cops. Um, <laughs> So are you two from the mental health task force? Fuck, man, I wish. Those guys have it made. A week later, I see one of you walk through her front door that's been hanging open days with your hand on your gun. A year later, after another panic attack, I wonder if she's 
I wonder if she can still throw her furniture out on her lawn when she needs to, or did you kill her for that? Thank you. Um, in the paint bucket chat, we started talking about teeth, and I hate being reminded <laughs> about like physical existence. Um, so I was really upset when it inspired, I suddenly had an idea for a fucking poem about fucking teeth. Um, <laughs> the dentist can tell guns apart by the taste of the metal, and yet they keep asking questions. We have to remind them it's simple. From now on, everyone eats and eats without pain. And they won't fucking shut up. They assure us they'll comply, and they're not taking sides with everything that's going on. And we have to remind them that, as far as they're concerned, there are no other sides. There is only this grandma who's been embarrassed to smile for too long. And they talk while they work. They say, man, you've really let this cavity go too fucking long. You've got to prioritize your dental hygiene. And we have to remind them about all of the hours worked, illnesses endured, indignities suffered. Dentists, shut the fuck up. Fix our teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll read the one in the, in the zine here, which, what did I call it? Class antagonisms intensify. <laughs> Scram, bucko, I scream at some dude being weird on my block. <laughs> I have to talk that way because there's nothing I own. I mean, the house where I sleep belongs to this 69-year-old freak who has never worn the same pair of underwear twice. I swear to God, they're just piling up in a pit on his land. He pays a teenager to wheelbarrow them there twice a month. So I have to say shit like, scram, bucko, kick rocks. The movies are too spendy these days for me to believe that we'll end up together. Fuck off. <laughs> Thanks. Sorry, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> um, let's see here. Am I good on, on it? Okay. Uh, Take two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is another one that's on Paint Bucket, uh, and also, if you hate my poems, you'll hate my Twitter equally as much, so follow me. Um, I'm at Labor Seller on Twitter. Uh, the more retweets I get, the less mentally ill I become, so. Um. Uh, this one is called, The Georgia Heat is Too Much. Um, if I can remember how the fuck it goes. Um, a wicker basket of brie is stolen at gunpoint. The heart of the thief is later examined at the CDC. They find nothing strange about the muscular tissue and the microscopes cannot ask questions like, where do you doctors grow up? So several mysteries remain. But someone leaks to the news that no evidence of love was found in the cells and without love it's likely that the thief is in hell. And someone watching the news on their five minute break laughs and mutters through a mouthful of salt and vinegar chips, none of you motherfuckers ever been hungry? And then they go take a piss, and it's right back to work. It's always right back to work. Thanks. Let's see here. All right, I'll read the one that all y'all fucking retweeted 100,000 times. Um, <laughs> this is the one, this is the poem that is the reason that I'm here, uh, because I sent it, I, I was, the last line of the poem I had in my head for like 
six months or more and I just couldn't figure out how to write the fucking poem. And then I got added to the Paint Bucket group chat not knowing anyone or having ever interacted with anyone. I don't know why the fuck James added me to it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and, uh, and then like the next day I was driving to therapy and like I just, I, I read poems out loud. I like say the poem again and again and again until it's fucking right. And so I'm, it's a long drive to therapy. And so I'm like sitting there like um, trying to work on this poem and I, I suddenly had it and I pull over in a parking lot, grocery store parking lot, and I email, emailed it to James and he emailed me back pretty much right away and said, we're, we're gonna put the poem up. Um, and then lots of people have apparently found it um, to be a good poem. So, uh, it's called To Eat the Fruit, Climb the Tree. Of course I want to sit with you, to float weightless on your breath above the bluebell and the white thorn at the east end of the orchard. Of course I want to rest. I want to sleep, but listen, we cannot let the landlords live. Thank you. I'm not even standing up there after that. Great time. <laughs> okay, we have three more readers and a very generous host who we would like to serve by not keeping them here too late. So, I will say very briefly that the term that Steele used uh, was, that I think about all the time now is class consciousness, and I think that it is really important, and it's like basically the only thing that all of the different varieties of leftists can really agree on is the importance of getting people informed and educated. And as a person who has been reading Marxist theory for a very long time, I can tell you that poems are way better at it than <laughs> me explaining capital to you is ever going to be. Uh, and, uh, you know, most of what we've seen so far tonight, I think, just proves that pretty fucking definitively. Um, so our next reader is Matilda Cullen, right? Cool. Are you reading translations? I wasn't. I can. Oh, I was just wondering. Yeah, yeah. I you get cool. Uh, Matilda does really good translations from the German, and I get really nerdy about translations because that was kind of my thing for a long time. But uh, she also writes very good poems of her own, and that is going to be what we rock tonight. Uh, so yeah, Matilda, go. I uh, didn't plan the poems. I'm just gonna go through this long document and uh, <laughs> hope it's okay. I'm gonna start with the first one I published on Paint Bucket. Um, and I don't know how the hell we all met each other, but it's cool. Um, <laughs> so this is called Another Hauntology, and it's, it's dedicated to Bartleby, of course. Um, okay. All around, an envelope unlicked. The roosters, as one could have expected, are taking out the twilight. A village assembled to mourn futurity. Families are gathered, their heads bent against the weight of the sunset. They are trying to hold it up. They are failing to hold it up. A father brews a pot of coffee, a gesture of strength against repetition. The people form a line, and the line is this one. A break in the chain of the poem that is these people, that is this history a gesture of strength against repetition. 
I am firing blanks walking toward Wall Street, aiming at the idea of it and the lizards, only the gun is jammed and I am without a gun, there is no revolution. And from the cold dark, a tongue reaches out to lick. Stampless, the envelope lies on the table. Some shit like that. And then this other one was went up on Pain Bucket pretty recently. That's like the only place I get published. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Proceedings of the show trials following the climate uprising. The tongue of empire breaks the roof of my mouth as the father's oil reaches the newborn's forehead and drills and drills as our mother splits open. Look. Capital's hands around our throat choking the lungs of our earth and the blotted stars have forgotten us. I think we have forgotten us. I adjust the dark to better apprehend this land. Scrap the familiar pastoral, elegy exhausted, greed leaks from allegory, drips the people bleeding. This is not metaphor. To paint genocide pretty would be just as unforgivable. No one lived happily during the war. To do so would be just as unforgivable. Watch how they burned the trees, numb to the knots tightening round their necks. Oh, at the trial of gods, we will be merciless. This one's called After Emily. No drop of door against this winter. The crystalline option, only natural the forgetting. A movement across the casual in-betweens, not through, a hush of body, I, a cloak unfolded into other than this forest cracked about, waddled into circumstance, overgrown metropolitan affect, no breath against the subtle skin, what history prescribed me, disordered into something resembling order, digested and slept through the day, what lurks listening to the babble on some other channel, corners of echo, articulated topography to the contrary, a space around what is not said, Vowel that this body once occupied, unsound, bilabial plosive, diphthong of what loin. Uh, this is a recent one. I don't think it's on Pig Bucket. Um, I think it's the one in here. Um, into the moment fall particulates and outward they move in single file. Everywhere is tomorrow and rocks articulate space in the flow of days. Narrated a map onto living land, tumultuous blood of roads driven into our skin, vowels, the streets in the city, buildings, their teeth. Daylight undrunk as concrete peels itself, death ruse of mirror and lip linger, a room dedicated to movement, outside always liminal space, fading in perpetuity. Vessels with which one could travel through space-time, traffic on the interstate. A boy ago, a geometry unwound, murmur of moon, night set gentle in distance, torn, breath-dredged morning. Oh, the engine of all tragedy is entropy. And then this one was collected on Paint Bucket in Whatever the fuck James doing James is doing now with the little collections, the 
This was in Transalpine Gaul. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's so funny. I love how he just like throws. Random things <laughs> yeah. On him, like, so good. This is called My Language Drops Like a Snake from the Forked Tongue of Desire. The margins are not justified. Chromatic unbecoming. Ice sheets pulled over our heads. There is a people, we who have shoveled a great hole in the sky. Documents strewn over the table. Come again. Thought the water sunk into us. Porous, meaning the slow fade of a city into mourning. How you drink it in like any other bird. First the astonish, then the guilt of knowing nowhere. Bending is how the sound goes around a corner. It had the properties of shadow and a taste of iron and told me I precipitated time. Bumped into a memory on my way to the fridge. The enjambment of avenues and crosswalks to lineate the city to make it more palatable. A wolf set loose in this Virginia. Skin would begin itching on contact with water and then fire spread across. A senate bored of form, organized in couplets. Why, night is a curtain strung between the ordinary, tongues wriggling on the ground aching to be embodied. It was the lyric I spilled all over the table, what sung against a hole in what home was. And then this one, sorry. <laughs> this one is called uh, The First Zeno Archaeologist on Terra Misread Her Skeleton. <laughs> On the genealogical dig, we found disagreement among the sediment. Contents of the buried mind include the sound of atoms accumulating outward, drip of skin towards glass break, horizons light off forehead, the night glossed red against what will never return, that one July dappled epistemic. A body beside knows the soft of sunset. Asleep to the cold of this continent, these fragments clothed in ribcage, strands of hair theorize shorelines. I, a well of silences, am whispered into hillsides, was not amber-esque, not somewhere on your map, the slow flicker of fingers to chin in a deep unhappening. I cannot river this string of happening. I am remembering me. Um, fuck, I wasn't planning to read translations, but I can, I'll, I'll find the one good one in there. <laughs> the one good, sorry. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> oh, no, can't, okay. Hold, hold for translation, hold. Shit, that's not it, fuck. Got it. Okay, do we have, do you have a request of which one you want? Okay. I'm gonna do, um... One of the good ones, one of the, fuck yeah. Oh, here we go. Okay. This is Walk of the Convicts. This is from my translation of Anne's Toller, which is on Gumroad for free if you want it. It's called Walk of the Convicts, and it's dedicated to the memory of the shot comrade Volmut outside of Munich. They lug their cells with dulled looks and stumble, light-worshipping pilgrims in the square. Proles who were smothered in the stone dungeon. Proles who trampled a paragraph. In the corner, the watchmen lurk, lazy and treacherous. 
From the bushes, half-withered, leaks a dull light and creeps up the shells of numb walls, touches shattered bodies, and breaks. The crowd died before the gates of the city. One thinks, in the spring, the green will sprout from the trash. The usual patrol ends arduously, lingers, and blinks feebly at the sky. He opens like a bluish-red wound that burns and burns and never wants to shut. And the, um, yeah. the, the paragraph is really important in Anse Toller's work. Um, in the second work I'm translating right now, The Book of Swallows, it's like, he talks about paragraphs in like every poem mm -hmm. and the paragraph being like uh, what, what the working class and what the prisoners are always recorded into. And so it kind of being a tool and vehicle of empire. Um, and so a verse that rec recognizes prose as violent is interesting because it's like in this case it specifically is um, and it's very neat and that's going to take a while to work because I'm having trouble with it but uh, I also run Prol Sound which is on here um, I've only had Brendan on there I think so far so get your shit together and come read poems <laughs> I think if this is going to be on there maybe I hope so yeah I'd love it um, <laughs> other than that thank you Yeah, I mean, Pearl Sound is a really, in my opinion, a really important idea. Like, it was basically like, what if there was a pen sound, but not for bougie assholes? <laughs> and if you've ever spent any time on pen sound, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. And, you know, Paint Bucket rocks that, Prolet rocks that. Um, there may be another publication or two coming into existence soon. Watch this space. Um, you know, and I think that, like, the having the, like, you know, we've got a bunch of friends who are not here tonight. Jamie Barut, who Isabel mentioned, Wendy Trevino, Jordan Davis, Trin from Australia, uh, you know, others as well, Roy from Marxist Podcast, uh, and the Marxist Poetry Podcast, and from the, uh, the Marxist Poetry Twitter account where he goes through the historical record and pulls stuff out from the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and assembles it together and puts it back out so you can actually see what people were working on 80, 90 years ago. Um, he's particularly amused by Mike Gold, uh, which is pretty fun, um, you know, and the, yeah, what can I say, like the reactionaries have just been like beating the shit out of us for like 75 or 80 years and, you know, we've got enough space because they are fucking dipshits to kind of do something for ourselves here and if we get after it quickly enough, um, then we might be able to build some stuff to that end, and poetry is a very useful thing. Translation is a very useful thing. Philosophy is also a very useful thing, and our friend Amy is a philosopher in addition to a poet, and also really cool. So here's Amy Marlin. Thanks for having me out here tonight, and thanks for coming. First one I'm gonna read is called Conjure a Grin, which is on this scene, which if you just came in, uh, you can just get one at some point. They're cool. Conjure a Grin. Spending so much of the 20s shooting the shit about how old we are when suddenly the real 30 comes strolling up and knocks you flat on your ass. Dragged wet and dripping through New Year's, grizzled and younger, Afraid it's about to all start when finally I can say I'm an old man now and a lonesome gal in Oregon, gone, 
walking to the counter to return my Saturn. It's broken, I say, when it's really not. I'm just tired of carrying the damn thing, so I hurl my knapsack to a nearby bin. If I sold all my baking skills to the devil, turning some tricks with him for a cauldron, then mercilessly dumping him, I'd conjure a grin so bright this city would implode into starlight. Alright. Next one's called Cyborg Manifesto. It's uh, about working at an outbound call center, uh, which sucks. The receiver tells me I'm full of shit, and I swear I'm not. I'm empty, like a cloud or an Oregonian spring breeze. Well lubricated, like a machine. That's what Fry wrote. It doesn't really matter what Fry wrote anymore. The only mattering is my sore voice and my one wrist on the keyboard. The signal is weak and flickering between my brain and fingers, like the static playing in my ears. Both are dismissed by my supervisor as mere noise. I am mere noise who would rather be a goddess than a cyborg. I apologize that you didn't hear me. We are aware of the connection. I said I'd rather be a goddess than a cyborg. I'd rather have Donna Haraway's fucking paycheck than this fucking paycheck. I'd rather be full of shit than hungry. I'd rather have comfort than write a poem on my phone in between calls. The most dangerous call would be for your sympathy, which philosophically becomes a call to arms, and I'm not so good at arm wrestling these months. They'll blame the estrogen, but really it's from typing. Relatedly, I've been reading Lenin while daydreaming of being summoned to your house one night, uninvited, while you sleep, to ruthlessly annoy you. Next one is moving on from the Rose Garden. Early to rise like a panic disorder. The day swelling in my gut like a sea breeze bloat. I don't want it. I want to return this month. Thighs prickly and sore like rubbing two together to make ends meet. Walking miles, biting cold on my broken nose, texting my boss who has a work tattoo and later scolds me <laughs> for having the self-respect to go home. Daydreaming of a fairy tale where a wealthy, handsome man picks me up in his parents' Lexus and rescues me from here. This city called not just a gay bar. <laughs> Recollecting that trap is just a projection. Snapping back harder than canceling Comcast after moving on from the Rose Garden. It's not so bad after all. The panic wears off. The face closes up. She even says the scar looks cool. Next one is I'm enjoying a hoagie about my love for the hoagie. <laughs> Invited to the Portland gender-inclusive womb magic circle after doing research on tender spells, selling the essential oil epiphany that all is emotional labor. I don my ceremonial twee, clutching a kombucha goblet. We all gather before the moon, where I am revealed to not be so fragile after all. I yell to the stars a recipe for decent pizza. The night bleeds Dunkin' coffee. The high priest X shouts, Hey pal, what you doing? And it's too late. 
There's cheesesteaks on every corner. The bagels are boiled. Folks are swearing at each other and too rushed to wait in line for brunch. And I'm enjoying a hoagie and playing the pole in all my... Next one is shopping malls. Millennials are killing the shopping malls, reads the dying papers, but they display a finely aged skeleton at this point. You can walk in them. You can feel their erroneous bones without meat or tendon to chew on. Some of us can listen for their chattering ghosts while others are more open to an empty silence. Hauntology varies from person to person and shopping mall to shopping mall. Imagine a wide open space with escalators and some people. Imagine them with paintbrushes or a braggadocious socket wrench, revising schematics, wearing personalized hard hats, a crop top, reading I love intercourse, Pennsylvania, <laughs> preparing to build, preparing to rest, dying to embrace. I recollect teaching Colin Tai, like I recollect circling a mall before it suffocated, thinking we could spray bat wings across the resting king of Prussia, <laughs> thinking we could make out inside a beached bear rib cage, thinking we could make way for blooming dandelions. And then I have one final one, kind of prose poemy. It's gotten really nice responses from people, but no acceptances. This is called I, the Last Female. Fifty years ago, there was a bathroom here in what they called a park. They held gay pride parades converted into annual gay pride booths sitting around ceremonies, open to straight couples and their families. There are no longer straight couples or their families here. There are no longer ducks. There are a few roaches, and seeing them is a blessing. There was a bathroom here in what they called a park. The bathrooms were wide corridors with no stall doors to protect the safety of the public from women who might seek shelter with a wall-mounted sharps container and a cop always nearby. Forty years ago, the state council decided the bathroom was not safe enough for the public, securing them with iron doors and a biometric scan to keep out errant chromosomes, verified by cables or satellites, then enhanced by a criminal cloud. And I, the last female, looking for a safe place to drink, press my eyes against the crusted retinal display, praying for it to open. It does not speak. The satellite has left for other planets, or the cables have been swallowed by the parched earth, or I am to return safe at last. Thank you. So the last time I saw a prominent local MFA professor here, she told me after I had, I think, three books out and like 40 or 50 magazine publications, that she really thought I needed to spend a little more time on my poetry. And I said to her, you sound like you sell time, which she does. Um, I worked my ass off at restaurant jobs for my entire 20s and 30s, and I wrote my ass off when I wasn't there or when I was there, and I produced a lot of work, and whether it's any good or not is, uh, you guys figure that shit out, but it exists. So it can be done, and you, you know, there's lots and lots and lots of different ways to be a writer, 
rather than just that one way that they want to sell us. And somebody demonstrating that very ably uh, is Brendan Joyce, who legit drove dead ass all the way from Cleveland to get here tonight. What? Don't sit. <laughs> <laughs> it also has probably the most Irish name I have ever heard in my life. I mean, Seamus Heaney is like famous. That's, yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> but it's Leah. Come on. Um, hi, I'm Brendan. Uh, I wrote this book. It's not really a book. It's a fake book. It's an ebook. Um, it's still a book. It's still a book. I mean, is it like? It's a book. It's a book. I didn't. I didn't kill anything to make it. So is it a book? Um, so because <laughs> that's how we're starting tonight. Uh, I just had this idea. There are all these people writing sonnets. Um, particularly now, uh, and doing them in quick succession. Uh, Terrence Hayes did... Pe- uh, my past and future, future whatever. Assassin. Yeah. And uh, Wendy Trevino did uh, Brazilian is Not a Race, and Nikki Walshlager did uh, Crawl Space, all of which I... Well, not all of which. Some of which I loved. Um, I really love Crawl Space, and I really love Brazilian is Not a Race. But I can't count. Um, I'm pretty much enumerate. So I couldn't count the syllables in a line. I thought, what about like a tweet? What about a character limit, right? There's 280 characters in every tweet. So what if I just write one of those every day? So I write a poem in the tweet box every day. I don't know if you've noticed, uh, but this is a very online function we're at right now. (laughs) Uh, We all met online. And it's maybe uh, an extreme problem. Maybe we're extremely online. Uh, maybe it's a problem. But it got us here, so who cares? Um, so anyways, all of that is to say, I'm going to read some poems now. <laughs> so this is the first one. The boss says, thanks for all your help. I say, thank me with your wallet. The wallet says you are worth one one-hundredth of an iPhone per hour. This news makes me finally... A person. If I wrote Red Epic, it would be all like, I catastrophize this, I catastrophize that. In short, the enemy. I am a class trader unto myself. If the register really made that MIA sound, I would have worked the register forever. Don't you just love credit scores? (laughs) There's nothing like the feeling of your first outstanding emergency room bill going into collections. The news tells me Equifax owes me a check it can't afford to pay. I put my pants on same as anyone else by turning my body into coin. I've been living for five neo-neros. You can have it all, my empire of fucks. Just join a mullet union, you know. Business in the front, the party in the back. Fuck it, mask on. A smattering of charcuterie enthusiasts convinced us our economy could run on cured meats, hops, and wheat. Now the whole town got the gout. The mayor got the gift of glut. The night glimmers with a sheen of doubt. 
we learn how to slalom towards rock bottom. I'm just going through the book now uh, <laughs> because as I was introduced, I was driving on the way here, so I didn't really like figure out what I was reading. I was just like, all right, I'll do this. If you guys want to heckle me while I'm uh, paging through, go ahead. Nice it's not really a heckle, but I like your shirt. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a good, I like that. Can we do more heckles like that? Like in the world, in general? Um, a lot of these poems are about summer 2016 in Cleveland, Ohio, which was simultaneously when Michael Brillo was acquitted uh, for murdering uh, two unarmed uh, homeless black people. Uh, along with 52 other cops. So that happened April 2016. Then following that, uh, something very strange happened, which was uh, the other thing was mundane that happens about every three months in Cleveland. Um, what was strange was uh, the Cavaliers won a championship that year. And because of that, for the first time in my entire life, we came about this close to actually having a riot. So this is uh, what that poem is about. I know the riot isn't coming because the boss says a riot is coming. The revolt ghosts us, can't hear it over the sprawl. The city is occupied by convention. The Jersey barrier sets the scene. It says, this is what a police state looks like. It becomes an Instagram installation. Also, if I hit time, just like throw something at me. <laughs> cool. Um, to bow to the blade, to beg to be paid, to watch the burning river braid, to be grateful for these pleasures at the end of the Anthropocene era, to watch the sky shred like the dinosaurs did into a panoply of freckles and obsolete terror, to be 21 and underemployed at the beginning of the end times, to be another dunce dancing on the edge of credit, to be four degrees of separation from the coming insurrection, to be, forgive me, young, dumb, and full of cum amidst the sixth extinction. <laughs> Woo! Seagulls bickering ballet over the freight turbines fish spray. Lift bridge turns on a hinge like the lift lid desk Vincent dropped on Chris's head. You can re rewrite a neighborhood with a Molotov pen. It's $500 a house. They'll sell for 400K by the next decade. I stayed behind and watched the city stay the city. It's bum rush of cafes and bike lanes retrofitting our fight landscape. It's prettier for sure in spots. The invisible hand having turned the block over like Jersey did your mother's dresser. The whole neighbor neighborhood turned inside out but the sky still went rhododendron red night after night. They replaced single family homes with fully militarized homeless patrols. When the house caught fire, I grabbed Shorty, the house painter, and he pulled that old man out. He went to prison for 10 years a few weeks later. First, he got a plaque from the mayor. It said citizen of the year.
Uh, and this is the one that is in the zine, which I don't have up here right now. Um, oh, I actually do. <laughs> Can we read from this one or this? Also, if anyone doesn't have a zine, please grab one on your way out. Um, those days it was easier to imagine the end of capitalism than getting sober. The tables have burned and turned. The bridge the water runs under has lifted. The instinct to forgive has been forgiven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive nobody. All property is theft. All right, I'll do maybe two more. Is that good with everybody? The weather these days goes by many names. Virgo, sayonara, billionaire. You can feel it in the air. It's the fall that's going to kill us. Maybe I am seasonally affected disorder. Maybe the sky is a buffet that is open all night. Maybe it's nobody's sky. Just kidding. We know who owns it. The soft animal of my body loves to drink myself to death. Which way is the desert? I guess thirst is in the eye of those dying from it, or those with a surplus of water. It's hard having the glutton disease when you've got nothing. The riot celebrates the championship. The city rushes the shuttered public square and circles it, twerking on suburbans, doing donuts on a crotch rocket. A fire truck and a bus go missing. In the thrall, I am full of wishes. What if we took all of it, but the confetti settle? That was that night, and by the morning, the FBI was jogging through our neighborhood, 50 sickly windbreakers, breaking sweat. Brelo was before that, but it all seemed like one long sun that wouldn't set. We were living on coronation days, spit from a pig's snout all over my city. That was three years ago, and just like that year never began, it still hasn't ended. The city got shinier while I was in exile, and friends gather their anger on the same haunted corners, whispering about who has what and where they got it from. We'd like to steal it all back. really want to do one that's like not very hopeful. I mean, I guess we did all of this. I mean, I try to keep it. <laughs> that's really what we're all here for. Yeah. It's the hope aspect of the reading. The sprawl's vocabulary paints the landscape. Dogs, guns, God, and interstate. I'd be walking down the street with the whole neighborhood standing on the front lawn. But when I got to the door, nobody home. Just the NRA welcome mat that said, nothing in this house is worth your life. That's a real welcome mat. Has anybody ever seen that? Yeah. No. You have. <laughs> uh, the only difference between the rain and getting robbed is sometimes you don't know the rain is coming. It's been raining for 20 years. The claw of the storm steals our days. Days add up. The nights patter on, sputter out. There's a big nothing coming to get excited about.
that was fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think it's really interesting the kinds of like groups that online can permit you to put together. I think that Brendan's use of online formats to make a poetic form is really interesting. I think that we are gonna fuck shit up if we choose, and that you should probably get down with us, because we'll probably wreck you if you don't. Um, we're doing some more readings. There's gonna be one in New York before too long. Uh, James is doing one in LA. We're trying to bother Wendy hard enough to get her to put one together in Oakland, and I'm gonna book one in Chicago. Um, and you know, on the horizon is like a big one where everybody comes, somewhere that everybody can get to. So. Follow motherfuckers, <laughs> submit your poems to motherfuckers, and um, uh, bread, get, let's. Thanks for coming. Woo!